Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted, the brand new FPL podcast for the 2020-2021 Premier League season. My name is Jack and as always I am joined by Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks Jack. Despite a catastrophe of a week, I'm feeling positive. I got a green arrow somehow and um, I'm feeling good about fantasy football. So, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been a bit of a crazy time over the last year I mean you say one week it's been two game weeks since we did uh, record our last episode of the podcast but yeah as you say I mean Christmas period festive fixtures everything piling up and of course the little bit of added extra spice of COVID-19 and fixture, fixture delays and of course I mean there's a lot of stuff to cover we've obviously got the double game weeks just around the corner now um we know some teams that have been, already been scheduled with two games to play but there are other teams now that might not have had two games to play that will have fixtures reorganized and yeah there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of you know rotation in the teams as well and of course yeah as I say we've had some fixture cancellations certainly from game week 16 but just cast your mind back to game week 15 I know it seems like it was quite a long time ago now but game week 15 how did that end up for you bit of a bit of a rubbish week I think for me mostly everyone blanked in the end um despite despite Lampard basically saying that that Chilwell and James were out forever they'd died they'd lost their legs they were busy Risa they both played and they both started but it was good because Chelsea got what they deserved um I say that it's kind of a rubbish game, actually, against Arsenal, but Chelsea got what they deserved and lost 3-1 to Arsenal, missing a penalty as well in the process, which was won by Mason Mount, who also blanked in my team. Um, Liverpool, they blanked. Salah blanked. Robertson blanked. Alexander blanked. Son blanked. Grealish blanked. Adams blanked. Everyone blanked. But you can always count on the Bruno high roll, which I'm now a massive part of, to, to keep on trucking, baby. And... Um, that's what I was here for, just big Bruno points. <laughs> and he's the one who saves my game week every week, it seems, at the moment. How did you do? Yeah, I did. I mean, similar in parts. I mean, you know, a lot of the names that you mentioned, uh, Blanking, uh, obviously still at that time had Kevin De Bruyne as well, and, and he blanked. And I think really game week 15 for me was, you know, we, we talked about it and I was sort of falling into that category of, you know, just waiting on Bruno and, and or waiting on KDB rather and hoping that he would return against Newcastle. It wasn't to be. And yeah, um, I mean, we'll get on to it in, in, a, in a moment. But yeah, KDB is no longer in my team. Um, I just sort of came to the end of my patience really with him. Just it wasn't fun sitting down and, and just hoping for him to return. Um, certainly City this year so far have just looked a bit underwhelming, uh, certainly going forward. And I know Aguero is potentially back in the starting 11 now, but yeah, I, I think KDB is one of those weird, weird players, certainly this season so far. But apart from that, I mean, Bamford returned for me. Um, Emmy Martinez for both of us picking up a massive 10 points. Um, and for me, the, I mean, the surprise package for me was uh, none other than Thomas Socek, who managed to contribute with the equalising goal in that game against Brighton. That finished 2-2. And I say he, he picked up a goal. He also picked up all three bonus in that one, picked up 10 points for me. And I mean, he essentially was my Bruno of the week, really. And, and he saved me in that one. It ended on 46 points. Um, and yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, it was a bit of a bit of an iffy week I think for 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 a lot of people um obviously with Christmas and everything perhaps not everyone's attention being paid to FPL but um yeah certainly is uh one to forget shall we say I mean you talk about the the Arsenal versus Chelsea game mate what is we we, we talked about this a few weeks ago and Arsenal's struggling to score goals they Arteta has gone to playing some of the youngsters and they seem to be gelling a bit better but on the flip side Chelsea what's what's happening there it's very hard to tell isn't it yeah it sort of looks like they just don't really quite know what they're doing so Werner's a bit not a bit 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 uh lacking let's say with his finishing and Havertz doesn't seem to have recovered very well from Covid it looks like he's a bit gassed all the time and the attackers are just oh, very very sort of tired and 
not one dimensional, but just they're all struggling a bit, um, which actually sort of mirrors a couple of Liverpool's recent results as well, which which makes sense when you sort of look at Chelsea as a budget Liverpool where they are. They are basically a budget Liverpool. That's what Chelsea are. They're just Liverpool, but with worse players in almost every single position. And I think I think it's strange that they struggle to to create an attack so much. Um, it's nice to see Callum Hudson-Odoi getting minutes because I think he's someone that can actually do that. And, and Pulisic is just all over the pitch all the time doing God's work. So there's there's hope there, but I'm not particularly confident. And I think when you have to just rely on Giroud to start scoring headers, it feels a bit Fellaini-esque and it starts to be a bit worrying as to whether Chelsea can actually keep up the monstrous attack that they've sort of had so far, where... No one's been returning big for Chelsea, but they've just been scoring like four goals week in, week out. And, and now it's sort of drying up and and they're being found, not found out, but maybe they're just a bit tired and maybe it's a bit tricky. And maybe maybe it's just really hard to be Timo Werner and, and not very talented in front of. I don't know. But but it's all a bit it's all a bit pedestrian at the moment and slow. And I, I wonder if that's maybe just because everyone's a bit tired and it's Christmas. Yeah, I mean, certainly around this time, every every season, it, it does feel like a lot of. Fatigue does seem to set in. I mean, as you say, with with COVID and, and and everything, it doesn't make it any easier for a player to come back into the fold after suffering from COVID. I mean, they they you know they 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 talk about the long lasting effects of COVID nineteen as well. And yeah, certainly from a Kai Havertz point of view, to bring him in for you know fifty sixty million or whatever it was for for uh, Havertz may even have been pushing seventy million, but it's just not worked out for him so far this season. Um, I mean, you still own Mason Mount. Is is he someone that's gonna stay in your team, um, or or are you perhaps looking to maybe jump off of some of the Chelsea assets and, and, and wait for them to uh, maybe hit a bit of a run of form? Oh, it's it's a bit of a nightmare because I only got Mount in because of the double game week and some of the ch- the fixtures that Chelsea had. He's the sort of player who ticks along and gets assists and, and and the occasional goal and because he's on corners and because he's he he, he arrives late very Lampard-esque I thought that he'd be worth a punt and and honestly he is he gets into some very good opportunities every single game and against Arsenal was unlucky to not get an assist well are you really unlucky if Jorginho is taking the penalty it's probably just not worth talking about he he was fouled for the penalty and it would have been his assist but Jorginho was taking it instead of literally anyone else on the team and as a result, missed. So like, he's in the good positions and he's in the good areas and he's he's the potential is there. And I'm hanging on to him for the double game week. But yeah, I think eventually the idea is, and I've been looking and I assume we've both been looking at huge numbers of potential transfers. But going mount down to Neto looks like a very good option, despite despite the fact that Wolves don't create a lot. For his price, he's still very good. And, and potentially upgrading like Grealish or Son to like Rashford or or dare I say KDB in, in at some point. There are some options there, but for now, I'm holding on to Mount and I sort of like his output, but it could be a lot better. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think I think Mount is. You know what you're getting with Mount. He is that player that is going to be trying to link up between the the, the midfield of of Chelsea and and the attacking three that they do occasionally tend to set up with. I mean, you know, they, they like to play with Kante and, and Kovacic or Kante and Jorginho. And then they have Mason Mount, who is that sort of pivot in the middle of the pitch who, who tries to orchestrate the play. And you know, as you say, he sometimes it pays off for him. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a tricky fi- uh, it's, it's a bit of a tricky one because also he's at that weird price point for... A midfielder, what is he? Six point eight, six point seven million um, in the game right now. So it's a weird price point to try and find someone who's going to be as effective as him. Having said that, though, and here's a nice little segue for you: Harvey Barnes is potentially someone that you should be on the lookout for, mate. I mean, he picked up yet another goal against Manchester United. I think that that goal took him to seven for the season. Um, and yeah, I mean, in that Man United game, it was the it was the uh, early kickoff on Boxing Day, um, and it was the first time that you had Bruno Fernandes in your team, and lo and behold, he picks up a goal and an assist. Yeah, well, that's exactly what you expect from Fernandes, you know, he just turns up, he high rolls the game, doesn't maybe, just looks quality. He might be the best player in the league, Jack, he really might be. 
And I'm so happy that I own him now and, and maybe you do too. We'll find out later what you did with Kevin. Ooh. And, and, and yeah, actually, I really like what you just said. Maybe Harvey Barnes is an option and someone that I hadn't genuinely hadn't even thought about. So I'll look at how nailed he is because I, I think that recently he's not necessarily been starting every game. But that could just simply be because of rotation. And he actually could be a very, very good option as a as a mount replacement, which I which I hadn't genuinely hadn't thought about. So you've given me something to think about there. Meanwhile, obviously, Bruno's picking up. I, I one thing I wanted to think about from that game, and I know that it's going to be on your mind too, is Marcus Rashford and, and what you think about him over the last we haven't mentioned it yet, but in the week sixteen, he also scored as well. Do you think he might be an option? How did you sort of like his game? I, I I think he's definitely an option. I I think you can see that there there's definitely more of a relationship between Bruno and Rashford than say Bruno and Martial. Um, obviously Cavani being mixed into the fold as well um, does just give Oli an extra option um, at the top of the pitch as well. So I think Rashford is is, is out of the sort of attacking front three. I think Rashford is most likely to start every single game. Um, I think there there may be some rotation risk, obviously, because they don't want to wear him down to the ground. Um, but I think that he is probably most likely to start every single game uh, or, or at least feature in, in every single game uh, more than the counterparts around him. I think him and Bruno are probably the two most nailed on players in that team, uh, attacking players, should I say, in that team. So... Yeah, I, I think that Rashford is a very, very good option. Obviously, Man United have the double game week in, in 19 as it stands. I know, as, as I said earlier, there's a lot of uh, talk about rearranging uh, some fixtures. So whether or not that still remains the case, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But certainly Rashford for me is, is someone, again, at that sort of son price point, 9.5 million, who is really starting to pick up and... and just that Man United attacking, uh, just all of those players in, in that attacking lineup for Man United seem to really want to push on and just score goals for fun um, in, in some of the games that they play. I think playing Pogba with Fernandez maybe sometimes is a bit of a detriment because obviously Pogba we know likes to move forward a bit more. So it does perhaps leave Bruno having to play a bit deeper than he would normally play when he's got the likes of Matic and, and McTominay in behind him. But I think Rashford is a is a very, very viable option and he's certainly one that I'm looking at as we go forward into eighteen or seventeen, eighteen and, and nineteen. So yeah, he's one on my radar. One player for me who might have to make way for uh Rashford would have to be Jack Grealish. I mean, we, we both brought him in um purely based on the fact I think it was for, you know, bringing in Grealish because not only is he a fantastic player at the moment but Aston Villa have also got the game against Newcastle or yeah it's game against Newcastle postponed and the one against um, Man United as well um, has been postponed so Villa are a team that have got a couple of games postponed and we were both sort of of the thinking that you know Grealish is that talismanic player um, but it's sort of gone off the boil a bit over the last couple of weeks. I mean, there was uh, obviously a couple of weeks back against West Brom where he picked up two assists in that game and, and fair enough. But we've talked about this before. He's very much a streaky, hot and cold player. Sometimes he'll perform well and then sometimes he'll look like, you know, he'll look really good on the pitch, but it won't quite translate into FPL points. What do you make of uh, Jack Grealish over the last couple of games? Oh, you've hit the nail on the head about him, honestly. He, he looks so good so often and it's either his teammates letting him down or, or his position being I don't know some people say deeper and I, I think to an extent he does play play deeper but sometimes you catch Bruno for example in, the, in in a similar position because because they're so good they just come to receive the ball make a pass and then they're always looking to move up the pitch with the ball as well so yeah so people will say that playing deeper sometimes but I, I don't necessarily know if that's that's true with Jack but he's so ah, oh, it's it's so hard because he's so good. He's so good to watch. And Aston Villa are top for so many different metrics of of like chances created and, and XG and things like that. That I want to keep hold of him and I want to see what happens when Barkley comes back. Because, well, you remember, you were a massive fan of Barkley when he wasn't injured. <laughs> you, you do Actually, that's a real running theme. As a very side note here, 
you've loved players that just immediately get injured for like huge about like Rodriguez, <laughs> Barkley. They, they were essential until exactly the bit where they just broke, and uh, we haven't spoken about them for months. But but I'm I'm probably going to keep him. I'm probably going to keep him until potentially doing Mount to Barnes looks very good at the moment to me, or like maybe Mount to Neto or Pedence, and then Grealish to Ziyech if Ziyech comes back. That those are the sort of options I'm thinking about. But for now, especially with like weird games coming up as well. So so Man United and Spurs for Aston Villa, those are the sort of games that they've dominated this season and just sort of turned it on for. And I could see him getting some decent returns actually quite soon. So I'm kind of keen to hold him, but I don't know for how long. I don't know if I'll be able to keep convincing myself every two game weeks where he blanks that he's that he's just good to have because he just looks so good. And it's it's super tricky. I, have you got a sort of a similar dilemma, or is it easier for you to want to get rid of him? Uh, well, look, I mean, what what obviously made me first think about getting rid of him is just the sort of tough run of fixtures that he's had. Um, I mean, they just played Chelsea in the most recent game week, which we'll get on in get on to in a moment. But that obviously ended one one, and then they play Man United and Spurs in the next two. So it was very much a well. Let's see if Grealish can perform against these tougher opposition. And we know that he can. You know, We know that Aston Villa rolled over Liverpool 7-2 um, earlier in the season. So we know what Jack Grealish can do on his day. Um, I don't know. I, I think Grealish is, again, he's at that... He's at that middling price point. And it's... With money in the bank, it's, it's fairly easy to sort of jump off of him to someone else obviously he doesn't have double game week fixture as well so looking ahead to to the double game weeks if if you want to maximize the potential of your attacking assets then certainly Grealish is someone who's going to be on the chopping block for me um do you think that there's any do do you think that it is possible to perhaps cover him for that Aston Villa side with someone like El Ghazi say I mean El Ghazi has you know, come back into the team now, and over the last five game weeks, he scored five goals. Um, I mean, granted, two of them were against West Bromwich Albion, who who aren't great defensively, but El Ghazi is certainly a man in form at the moment. Do you think that there is a potential to perhaps cover the Grealish returns by going down to Anwar El Ghazi and still have that Aston Villa attacking coverage? I don't. I don't think so. I don't agree. Fundamentally, I don't think coverage really is a thing. So so I think that, especially in this case, actually, this is a very good case where Grealish is, is obviously the player with the most talent. He's the player who, who is looking to to make the killer ball or to make the run or whatever he's doing right on the pitch. He's, do, he's the one doing it. And I guess if you wanted to like cover, if you want to cover his his returns like by picking El Ghazi what what sort of percentage do you think El Ghazi will have as an involvement with with Grealish's his returns maybe like 10 20 percent of the time um, El Ghazi will be involved because there's 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 a bunch of other players there there's there's all three of whatever front three they're playing which is El Ghazi, Traore and Watkins at the moment but I'm sure that will change as as Barkley comes into the fold and and then there's like some of the wild cut like McGinn alongside him in midfield who sits a bit deeper but can sometimes make these runs forward and and we saw it last season he can sporadically just sort of do it can McGinn and and then there's just the moments of of what like a commentator will say is, is pure brilliance where Grealish will just do it himself he'll receive the ball from deep which could be a McGinn pass it could be could be Hauser lumping it up and he'll just do he'll just do it himself and and it's very hard for 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 you to 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 get a player that will get the similar returns alongside Grealish without just having Grealish because there's so many other players involved in the work on the pitch. It's a bit like trying to sort of cover Bruno where you just can't because Bruno just sometimes does it himself or will sometimes pass to Rashford who at the moment is looking to be the person who's on the end of all the balls. But equally, Cavani received a lot of that um, a lot of the assists from from Bruno a couple of weeks ago or, or sort of over the last sort of month or so. And you didn't obviously get Cavani in to cover Bruno 
because Bruno's the one who's doing it and the person who's on the end of it or or passing it to him is is very different each time. So I've rambled a lot there, but I think covering Grealish, covering Bruno, covering the really, really good players is is just is just is, is a myth and it's impossible and you just need to have the good players. It, similarly with Son and Kane, you're not getting like Lamella in or Lo Celso or Nondombele because they're just they're not going to be the players who are associated with the big returns often enough um, for it to be worth it, I think, is, is the key is the key point. And, and if you had infinite amount of space in your team, you could do this. You could downgrade all of your players and have like a, basically like a, a whole team of Kantes, for example, and that would work out. But because your midfield spots are so limited, it's actually just good to have the best players, I think, in those spots rather than to try and cover attacks to sort of maybe spend better funds elsewhere, but maybe not. And it's a bit more of a risk. Um, whereas this is sort of just safer money, right? You spend the money on Grealish and you know what you're getting, or you should know what you're getting. So no, <laughs> I don't think you can cover Grealish. And I don't think you can cover any of the good players, really. I think you either have to own them or, or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. I think coverage is, I mean... <laughs> Yes, I did have Ross Barkley in, in, in the team earlier in the season. And I think he, he looked good in the games that I did have him in my team. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. Grealish offers so much more. He offers just a complete different dimension to that uh, Aston Villa side. I think it's a bit weird because, obviously, you mentioned, you know, Dean Smith playing that front three now and having Grealish a bit more central. It seems to have potentially dampened his, his output somewhat. Obviously, at the start of the season, he was being used more on the left-hand side um, of the pitch in, in that attacking front three. And he was getting a lot of uh, a lot of attacking as, uh, attacking returns um, playing on that left-hand side. But moving him more centrally, I think it does give him a bit more of a controlling role at the top end of the pitch for Aston Villa. But it's perhaps limiting him in his sort of wide play and his... Uh, creativity going forward but we'll move on uh just round up some of the uh, remaining fixtures from game week 15 um it seemed like there was a a lot of draws happening certainly on on the sunday on on the 27th leeds beat burnley 1-0 and then we had west ham versus brighton which ended 2-2 liverpool versus west brom which we'll definitely have to talk about in a moment finished 1-1 and then wolves versus spurs also finished 1-1 now mate that liverpool game it was, I mean, I think two and a half million players captained Salah in that one. And it was a blank. Oh, God, it was a blank. It was terrible, wasn't it? I don't... I, I'd much rather they drew nil-nil than 1-1, one, one, I'll tell you that for free, um, as someone who owns double Liverpool defence. But it was it was a strange game, and... And I don't like it. I don't like seeing Liverpool be this sort of uncreative, crappy sort of team who can't create chances and then concede. Well, I think Matip injury was was probably a big issue because uh, the chap who came on, Williams, I think, was not ready. He was not ready to play football. And you could tell that when he was on the ball, he wasn't a happy bunny about it. And and then they concede this crap corner. Or, or is it a corner? It was, yeah, I think it was a corner. They concede this crap header and... And it was just not it was just not a pleasant game. And and in fact, I think it's one of the rare games. Or no, no, it wasn't. It was, this was definitely one of the games where because there's been a lot of them where throughout most of the game, you messaged me and said, it's a blank. It's a blank. It's a blank. It's all gone wrong. <laughs> it's all gone wrong. It's a blank. And I was like, hold on. Look, Liverpool look very good in the first half. They're creating a lot of chances. They're going to get it. And, and they just didn't. And it just sort of flopped. And it's a bit of a shame as someone who owns a lot of Liverpool assets and as someone who fully believes that Liverpool are going to walk the league anyway, it'd be nice if they could just sort of get on with it rather than sort of giving any, everyone else hope. But um, on on the subject of Liverpool's bad results, and, and we haven't got to it yet, but we'll talk about this week's results as well at some point. They obviously drew nil-nil with Newcastle just last night um, in game week 16. And it was a very similar tale where they struggled to create and they were struggling quite a lot. And then... And then a shining light, Jack, a Christmas miracle. And although they didn't score, it obviously still finished nil-nil. Thiago came on. And from the highlights that I've seen and the match reports I've read, because I disappeared and stopped watching the game quite early when I saw how it was going, 
I think that Thiago created something. He created chances. He moved, he moved the ball well. And if he'd have played the full game, Liverpool probably would have won 2-0 is, is basically sort of the the thing I'm hearing. So there's hope. There's hope that Liverpool may actually be able to start pumping teams again the same way that they just pumped Crystal Palace. And, and that's what I want to see, Jack. In, in 2021, I just want to see Liverpool pump teams and I want to see Salah <laughs> captain 24 points every week. It's not too much to ask for. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would certainly kick off 2021 with a uh, well-needed bang, that's that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to Game Week 16 now, but before we do, just a, a quick question, mate. Did you make any transfers between Game Week 15 and Game Week 16? Yeah, I, th- I, thought, I thought things weren't difficult enough for me. So what I did is I took out um, Chilwell because I thought, oh, he's injured. He's not very good. He's injured and he needs time. And he's definitely going to get rested. And I brought in Cancelo, who looked good and was the man of the match in, in, in Man City's game against Newcastle, which they won 2-0. And then, Jack, I'll let you do the honours. And then game week 16 happened. Yeah, it was a um, bit of a bit of a rough ride, shall we say. It all it all started off, or it looked like we were, you know, going to be settling down for some quite merry festive fixtures, um, truth be told. But uh, yeah, uh, we had the information from Everton saying that, uh, or from Man City, should we say, saying that uh, they had to postpone their game due to an increased number of COVID cases in their team um, and and on their staff as well. So that happened. A lot of players missing out obviously a lot of owners or a lot of FPL managers rather still with Calvert-Lewin um, doubling up maybe even uh, tripling up on, on Manchester City assets certainly defensively City have looked a lot better over the recent games so I see a lot of uh, managers with the likes of Cancelo the likes of uh, Ruben Diaz in their ranks and and just having players miss out um, we also had another postponement which was Scheduled to be played um, before the Liverpool game yesterday, which was obviously between Fulham and Spurs. But again, I think it was maybe four hours or so before that game was scheduled to kick off. We received the news that there had been an increase in a number of cases from the Fulham camp. So both of us owning Son, a lot of managers that I've seen uh, putting the armband on Kane and putting the vice captain's armband on Hyungmin Son. So both players missing out and not getting any returns from the captain is it's a bit rough. Um, certainly for me, it, it was a bit of a better game week than, than game week 15. I made two transfers. I took a minus four points hit, um, but I did take out um, I did take out Arthur Masawaku um, for Stuart Dallas. So I, I bought, or, or sorry, it wasn't Masawaku, was it? It was Lamptey. I took out Tariq Lamptey for for Stuart Dallas. And I took out the aforementioned KDB for none other than Bruno Fernandez. So now I'm on the Woo! I'm on the Bruno Fernandez train. Um, it's taken me 15 weeks to actually realise that he is actually a you know a, a player that is pretty much a must own him along with the likes of Mo Salah. And like I said, I, I was just sort of losing patience with Kevin De Bruyne and with this whole City COVID announcement. Um, it was a, I mean, in, in hindsight, it's a, it's a great move to jump off of KDB to, to Fernandez, who did end up getting an assist in, in Man United's game. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those moves that was going to happen at some point. And I think as well, the fact that City, as it stood, didn't have any, uh, did, didn't have the double game week in 19, it sort of made that decision a lot easier. So, I mean, for me... Game week 16 ended on 52 points. Obviously, a lot of managers only playing with, you know, eight or nine members of their team. I managed to get away with 10 players. Um, I had Brewster come off the bench for a massive two points in place of Hyungmin Son. Um, but, yeah, I mean, returns smattered around the park for me. Uh, Salah, as you say, blanked again. Um, three points doubled it to six points with the captain's armband Bruno Fernandes chipping in with an assist which I mean I was quite confused by that Bamford picking up a couple of assists Robertson keeping the clean sheet and getting all three bonus points and then the man of the hour Stuart Dallas who had transferred in picking up an assist keeping a clean sheet and all three bonus points ending on 12 as well so a fairly all-round you know 
I'm I'm pleased with that week considering how how things played out and and how a lot of managers would have been in a much worse position than 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 I was. I think one thing to take away from the postponements and everything for sure is make sure that you've got your captain's armband and your vice captain's armband on players that aren't playing in the same game because um, it does certainly feel like now at any point there could be a a game called off due to COVID. And, you know, if, if you've got the armbands on the same players from the same teams or teams that are competing against each other, then, you know, you obviously have that potential to lose out on, on the double return. So, yeah, it's a, it was a very tricky week to navigate, um, but we navigated it well. And I, I think I certainly navigated it uh, effectively, um, certainly with some of the transfers that I made. Um, what about you? How was game week 16 for you? Um, very, very similar to yours, except instead of Dallas, I, I had Cancelo, who obviously didn't play. So Kilman came on for a huge two points. I had Alexander-Arnold, who didn't get any bonus points, actually, because Darlow is, is just fantastic in goal, I think. And <laughs> and he got a nice a nice six. But otherwise, I did have 10 playing players. I It's only Son that, that sort of didn't play. And, and obviously, because I haven't got anything in the way of a bench, didn't, didn't get anything, anyone coming off the bench for him. So, so that was... That was the only player who didn't play, and I've ended up with forty-five points, which I think in 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 a vacuum looks rubbish. But actually, it's above the average. I've qualified for the cup. I've got a green arrow, so it's not the end of the world. And um, moving forward, as always, I'm very positive about the team. Watching Liverpool is hard. I'm very happy to have double Liverpool defence though at the moment because. I think that they are going to focus more, especially if everyone's a bit tired. They're going to focus more on not conceding the silly goals they've been conceding. And, and and this happened last season as well, where they just went on a big, big run of getting clean sheets. And it's looking like it might it might go the same way this season. So I'm happy to own them. And I'm happy to own some of the players that I own. They still looked good despite blanking, except Shea Adams, who got a kick in the head and came off before 60 minutes. Who <laughs> I have no idea what to do with, so I'm just going to keep him anyway. And um, yeah, kind of confident going into next week. No one looked terrible. No one got maimed or 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 sort of injured. However, I'd really like I'd really like the games to try and to try and still be on. I I'm waiting, and you are as well, for for Man City to say out loud. I think they're going to do a release at some point before the deadline. Hopefully, not not for fantasy football reasons, just because it'd be nice to get it this week. Where they're going to say who's got COVID and and who can and can't play, and it'd be nice if if Cancelo could play. I'd really like that <laughs> if he could come back, and I'd really like it if they could play the game with with whoever's available, rather than postponing another game. And especially as a Chelsea fan who would who'd be looking to get a quick win there as well. And and if they've got a bunch of players who are out with COVID, so be it. That's their problem for not following protocol. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said the same. He said, at United, we follow all the protocol. We don't have any players that get COVID. We're good. Meanwhile, Man City have Kyle Walker, who's an absolute walking car crash of a human being, who's off party. Genuinely, I think he was caught partying at least two times with 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 various um, individuals. He was caught partying at least two times during the first lockdown. I think he was caught this during the November lockdown as well. He's just he's just an absolute walking COVID case, is Carl Walker. <laughs> and he just brings it back to the team and he ruins my he ruins my Cancelo clean sheets. Because cool, nice, right? Oh, cool. Carl Walker's got COVID. He's out of the team. Cancelo will play a bunch now. Get him in, right? But no, Kyle Walker doesn't stop there. He just tanks the whole team and he ruins fixtures for everyone. So... At the end of this ramble, Jack, I think there's one thing to take away, and it's that, that Kyle Walker is is the devil, and he should be chastised for being unable to follow protocol, and Man City should be forced to play whoever they can in the games that they have left, rather than postponing games. And and actually, for the first time ever, I agree with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and and I think it's just it's actually crummy. It's crummy to see games cancelled because of COVID. I think Spurs should have been allowed to play against just the Fulham under twenty ones or whatever, whoever's available. Fulham should just field them. Like, is Scott Parker registered? Put him on the pitch. Get get someone out there because it's not fair. I think to the teams that are following protocols to then postpone games and and make their season worse later on, where they get a bunch of fixture congestion just because Carl Walker or whoever or you as a club can't bother to sort of sort yourselves out. So 
I didn't realise how angry I was about this, but I'm actually angry about this. And I think Carl Walker should be, he should just be expelled from the country. Let's, let's just get rid of Carl Walker. Let's deal with him and then we'll, the country will be a better place for it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly the certainly the City game um, was a bit weird. I know Everton and certainly Carlo Ancelotti have sort of asked the Premier League to clarify why the game was postponed because the official ruling for the Premier League uh, this season, certainly with, with the impact of COVID, is that the club who is trying to postpone the game needs to have... 14 at, at least 14 players available and you look at the, I mean Fulham is a case where okay well you know they they might have 14 players available but is it really going to be you know they, they they're a much smaller team than Man City and City have got a lot of squad depth and at the start of the season you you know you you put in your 25 man squad for the Premier League, and it's yeah, you'd like to think that City do have enough depth to play games. I'm not sure what's gone on there. Um, certainly, just from an FPL point of view, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating if you were sitting on the City assets or certainly uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin for for a lot of us. Um, it is a bit frustrating it does also throw into question when the games will be rearranged we know that there are certain outcomes that 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 can happen I think Ben Krellin put out a tweet uh, outlining what may happen with these postponed games and and when they may be rearranged but we don't have any solid news yet Um, it it will make planning for the double game weeks a bit more difficult certainly now we've set ourselves we've set the teams up and I feel like a lot of managers have set the teams up in a way to cope with blank game week 18 and double game week 19. Um, a lot of us, certainly me, is looking at uh, you know free hitting in 18 and then bench boosting in 19 when I've set my team up relatively well. And it's it's just one of those where it, it makes life a little bit more difficult. Um, and obviously, we don't we don't want to see the Premier League. You know, we, we we don't want them to have like a, a, a two week circuit break like they did, um, or certainly you know when when they had that three or three month or so break towards the end of last season. We don't want that to happen again. We we know that we've got the Euro 2021 tournament. If that does indeed still go ahead, we've got to finish all of the games um, by then, and and it means that you know it will end up being a very very compact season. Certainly come the end of the season if we are going to play all of the games so I'm not I'm not sure how the league is going to go about reorganizing the games and and if there are any more postponements and, and what will happen there um it is it's I mean it's, it's it's interesting I know on the football pitch you're obviously not or for the majority of the time you're not going to be up close and personal to, to the opposition team but it's interesting because Man City before they came out and, and announced that they had a, an increased number of cases, they obviously played 48 hours before against Newcastle and Newcastle were allowed to play against Liverpool. So, I mean, like I say, you're not, you're not going to be right in everyone's face all the time on the football pitch, but it, it's a bit weird um, what's going on there. And as I say, it does, it, it makes it a lot more difficult to sort of try and predict who to transfer into your team. One, one team that I think a lot of managers are, are turning to, certainly for their favourable run of fixtures. And, I mean, it was a fantastic display um, on Tuesday. And, you know, Leeds against West Brom at the Hawthorns. Sam Allardyce's first home game in charge of West Brom. And they lose 5-0. And Leeds just, I mean, it all really just happened in the first half. They, they looked absolutely insane in that game oh it was good wasn't it it's it's nice it was the standout fixture i think of, of the fixtures that were played it was the standout fixture and it was really good to watch because i did watch the first half and, and most of the second half um it was awesome just to see the way they played the way they pressed the way they made big sam look like an absolute fool an absolute dinosaur <laughs> i was uh, i was a big fan of that and i have bamford i haven't really considered anyone else i guess actually it might be worth thinking about the double up if i'm looking to replace mount Maybe maybe that's the option, but I really enjoyed it, and it was 
one of the few games that I did enjoy. I, the one note I, I I like to add about Leeds, who are they are a roaming black hole, and I have no idea what to expect or, or how to fear them, <laughs> is that they do seem to get battered by good teams and batter bad teams, and it, it and it it's just crazy like that. So they keep a lot of clean. They've kept like the fourth, the joint fourth most clean sheets in the league this season, alongside Chelsea, and maybe someone else, and they've conceded the most goals. It's just so strange. They're such a strange team. Um, and if you're a good team, you'll beat them. And if you're a bad team, you'll you'll lose them. And 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 it means that they're sort of the litmus test as well. So if you want to know whether your team is good, if you want to know whether your team is a good football team, just look at how they did against Leeds. That's 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 the question that you need to ask yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, we know what Bielsa is about. We know he likes, to, or well, I say we know. I mean. The formations that he always comes out with, it, it it does very much feel like at times he's just playing, you know, three 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 one with Bamford being the focal point and then just every other player on the pitch doing whatever the hell they want. I mean, you have the likes of you know Dallas and, and Ailing who will be on the on the flanks uh, most of the time, although Dallas is being employed in a more more of a central role and and certainly shouldn't be classified as a defender. I, I think that Dallas sort of falls into that Johnny Lundstrom category of players. Obviously, he started off the season uh, 4.5 million, but he is certainly playing a bit more centrally. He's he's getting forward and he is contributing to the attack quite a bit. I think that with him, as you say, you do sort of risk uh, the, the... or you do basically play the high role with Dallas because you know that Leeds can be susceptible to teams that you know are better than them and then they can get hit on the counter-attack if they are caught napping but on the flip side of that he does offer so much upside going forward um, I think that that is one of the reasons why I brought him in um, that and and the added bonus of Leeds playing a double game week fixture in in week 19 um, but I mean Dallas looked fantastic one player who I obviously have heard quite a bit of uh, murmurs about and, and someone to keep an eye on is Rafinha, who, again, contributed with another goal in that one. And he looks good when he's on the ball. I think that now that he's sort of established in that side as well, he will be basically starting every single game. I think Bielsa prefers him ahead of the likes of uh, Helder Costa in that team. So, yeah, Rafinha looks like a, a very good option. I don't feel like I'd be comfortable tripling up with Leeds because as you say I mean they are very much a hot and cold team um, certainly when they're when they're playing teams in and around them that they should be beating they are just insane they go away to Tottenham um, in game week 17 if that fixture does go ahead um, if there's no other news uh, that comes out but and then after that I mean you know they've, they've got a double in 19 in which they play Brighton at home and Southampton at home and I think that those are yes yeah, Southampton are having a fantastic season but I think that Leeds could quite easily win both of those games um yeah Leeds are very much the I wouldn't say they're a surprise package but they're very much a they're they're probably the team this season that are just so good to watch you know they the style of football that Bielsa has them playing is just so easy on the eye um, and it really does make it very enjoyable to watch Leeds play um, we'll go through a couple of the other fixtures um, I mean it was a bit of a drab and dreary Monday round of football there Crystal Palace 1-1 against Leicester and Chelsea 1-1 against Aston Villa so again another couple of draws another draw for Chelsea and this was when Chelsea are now that there's certainly a lot of questions being asked about Lampard um do you think that he needs more time or do you think that he should be doing better given the fact that you know he spent upwards of 200 million over the summer I honestly I just don't know anymore I thought he needed time I think he needs time and I think if you give him time he'll be good but I I think you can get managers in right now who will obviously do better with the squad so it sort of depends on what you want and whether you want to sort of let him establish himself as a manager and and learn what he can and can't do because he does he does he he learns very very quickly and and he is he makes changes that are very adept. I'd like to I'd like to give him time and I'd like to write the season off if 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 it starts to go wrong for him 
And I wouldn't like to sort of have this price thing around his neck either because you can spend whatever you want on players, but if the player flops, the player flops. And and I don't think there's a lot that, that Lampard can do to get Werner to, to stop missing one-on-ones or or to stop just stop being a bit rubbish but passing and, and his first touch. All of these things are just slightly off. And it's not really Lampard's fault. It's just that the player isn't what what a lot of people who hadn't, I guess, seen him play very much thought. And and if you go back to the, the transfer threads and if you go back to some of the other threads when, when Chelsea bought like Kai Havertz and, and Werner, there are a lot of talk about either them not necessarily fitting into Chelsea or with Werner about him being very streaky and, and, ne- and not necessarily the, the hot property that his price tag warranted. So people who watched them sort of knew that this could be a possibility. And I wouldn't say it's an indictment of, of Lampard. He's he's a pretty average manager who has a lot of ability to learn and, and, and get good quickly. So I'd stick with him. But if you wanted to get Tuchel in, I wouldn't complain, for example. Um I just think that if you want to do well at Chelsea with Lampard, it will require time and the, the, it won't happen very fast. And I think putting pressure on him, if you're the owner who, who hasn't done that, or if you're the media who have done that, is just a bit of a recipe for disaster. But that's just how they work, isn't it? So I'm a half fan, half not. I don't know really whether I'd prefer him to go and, and get someone in who knows what they're doing or whether I'd like to give him more time and, and let him sort of find his feet better. But I do know that whichever way it happens, it'll probably be a success I, unless unless they fire Lampard and then get in like Arteta or something mad. I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, you know, only a couple of weeks back were sitting at the top of the table um, before the likes of Liverpool, Man United and the teams in and around that, that top six currently hit a good patch of form. Um, Chelsea, one win in their last five. They got City next. If that game does go ahead, it will be a it'll be an interesting one. Obviously, if that game does go ahead, you expect that City might not be at maximum capacity um, in terms of the players that they have on the pitch. I don't know about Lampard. Um, I think him, like any other manager, you know, they deserve time. Obviously, last season doing what he did, getting them in the into the Champions League for for this year without spending a penny was a fantastic achievement in itself. He's been given the funds, and as you say, the Premier League is a much different level of football. Um, there's always these debates that you always see online about, you know, is the Premier League the toughest league in the world? Blah, blah, blah. Is it the best league in the world? Whatever. It is certainly a lot more physical and there's a lot more physicality that comes with playing in the Premier League than compared to, say, the German League. And I think that the likes of Werner and the likes of Havertz, you know, we know how good they can be. I think it's just taken a bit more time for them to adapt their game to, to suit the Premier League I I still don't agree with Lampard playing Werner out on the left um, but that's another story for, for a different time but yeah I, I think Chelsea the one redeeming factor is that sometimes they look good defensively um, certainly with the likes of Reese James and, and Ben Chilwell in the mix and supplying balls into the box to the likes of Olivier Giroud is Certainly a plus for for Chelsea. I think a lot of managers were a bit surprised that uh, Lampard decided to give Kurt Zouma a bit of a rest. But I think that that's, again, just a sensible thing to do. Um, Certainly given the congestion of fixtures that they have. And Zouma has been such a a solid asset for them at the back so far this season. So, I mean, he'll be back into the team sooner rather than later. That's that's for sure. We'll talk about the Brighton versus Arsenal game now. And again, it was a... uh, I mean, it was a... A youth-inspired team in that uh, in that one. Um, obviously, Aubameyang restored back into the starting lineup for the game against Brighton after missing out uh, the game against Chelsea. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a youngster who set up Lacazette, Bukayo Saka. He is certainly one who is now maybe peaking a lot of uh, a lot of interest from us FBL managers, isn't he? Isn't it mad how how it's it's almost been a season coming with like Martinelli and Nikita and and Saka. They're always on the fringes. It's always oh if they start playing they'll be a good option. But I think Saka's actually started to start playing 
And I think I think in a couple of months we might be talking about Saka a lot more. So he looks good. He can dribble very well. He can he can he'll get assists. Could be an option, Jack. Could be an option, but maybe after the double game weeks. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a tricky one. It's you know he does certainly look like the one of the only players in that Arsenal side who actually wants to be creative and attacking going forwards. Um, I think another player who has been introduced into the team recently, Emil Smith Rowe, looks really really good as well when he's on the ball. Um, I think Arsenal have got a lot of good young talent coming up through the ranks. And I mean, you can say that really about the last God knows how many seasons that Arsenal have existed as a Premier League club. They always find a way of bringing good young talent in into the squad. So it's very good to see them playing. It's, it's very good to see them actually working out uh, how to play as well and, and sort of gelling together as a team a bit more and obviously a lot of the players in that squad now will know each other from playing in the in the youth ranks um, at Arsenal so it will be interesting to see if they can keep it up and, and keep that sort of positive chemistry I mean I think they'll you know they'll, they'll, they'll be safe I think that they'll be lucky if they can you know try to push on and, and push forward to try and make in inroads into the top six in the Premier League they are currently six points behind Chelsea who are who are sat in sixth place so it's not the end of the world um certainly not with Covid and and the like really playing havoc on this season so far it's a uh, promising signs for for Arsenal a couple of other games uh Southampton versus West Ham ended nil nil nothing really to to write home about in in that one I mean both goalkeepers making a couple of saves each and, and keeping their size in it. For me, Soufal not starting and not coming on was a bit of a uh, disappointment because I was hoping that he'd play and, and maybe contribute something to the attack, but certainly pick up a clean sheet in that one, and, and he would have if, if he played. Man United versus Wolves, 1-0. Probably one of the other games that a lot of FPR managers were keeping an eye on. Um, certainly, I think that uh, Bruno was maybe like the second or third highest option for the uh, captaincy uh, last week and it did end up finishing 1-0 to Man United but I mean boy Wolves uh, Wolves certainly made it difficult for Man United to break them down yeah they really did I, Alan Shearer was fun in the commentary on on Amazon Prime yeah he was he was he's, he's, he's always talking about he's, the way he speaks as well about how he really expected a Man United hammering for a long period of time there but Wolves were good um they can't necessarily create very well. And Adama Traore is going through a really, really rough patch. Oh, he was never that good, but he's going through a proper rough patch at the moment where he he almost looks... He looks he looks absolutely vacant on the pitch. It looks like he needs someone just to tell him where to be. Just, Adama, please be there. Now please be there. Now please be there. Now pass. Like, he needs someone. Just something. Usually people have that, and it's called an inner monologue. And it's part of having a brain and intelligence. But with Adama, I think he needs someone to do that for him because I don't think he has that himself. And that's quite harsh, but I think that it's entirely true. And he's so strange to watch because he's definitely not able to think. But apart from that, Neto is so direct and so brilliant on the ball that he will just do, he will just get points over the course of the season. So he's one to watch. And I liked opponents as well uh, when he came on, although he wasn't on very long um still moves like hazard and anyone who moves like hazard has my attention as, as obviously of course otherwise i don't think that the wolves defenders offer anything close to doherty value as they did last year although they can defend well and were quite unlucky to concede the last minute goal i don't think that Semedo, who didn't play this time but i've been watching him a bit recently Semedo or eight nuri or who was the youngster that played on the right? I can't even remember. Um, it wasn't it wasn't Hoover, who is another youngster that played, uh, got his first start in the Premier League, I think, in that game. I don't think that any of those options, Marcel, of course, on the left as well, or, or Sice, if, if they go for that, I don't think any of those options are good enough to, to represent the sort of value that Doherty represented or, or, or the sort of value that they represent at their own individual price points. Um, compared to sort of the other options that are available. So if you're looking at Wolves, I think they've got a couple of cheap midfielders who play as forwards, and that's about it at the moment for me. Unless, of course, you really, really fancy Patricio. 
but you probably shouldn't. You should probably do better than that. No Patricio, get Martinez. What do you think about Wolves? Yeah, I, I think Neto is is certainly one on my radar. I think the obvious choice at the moment when it comes to free hitting, if if that is still the case for for game week eighteen, will be to get in Podence and and Neto, um, and I think that that will be one that we'll uh, certainly have to keep an eye on um, for for Wolves, obviously. Without the likes of Raul Jimenez in the team anymore, they obviously got Fabio Silva in 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 the ranks now and. Again, I think he sort of falls into that category of just having to take a bit more time to settle into the Premier League. He is, you know, still relatively young and comes to he came to Wolves in the summer with quite a quite a high price tag to his name as well. So maybe there's a bit of pressure on him to perform well and and hit the ground running, but it hasn't worked out for him. I mean, he does have the opportunity now, uh, given the fact that Jimenez is out and and it does look like Fabio Silva will start in place of him um certainly a majority of the time you you'd think that Fabio Silva would be on the pitch but yeah as you say Neto playing a lot more centrally Podence is just fantastic uh fantastic creative midfielder and I think that they're both at that you know relatively cheap price point for attacking returns that they are getting I mean Podence is what 5.6 5.7 and I think Neto might be up to 5.9 now so they are in and around that mid to low value option in in the midfield, um, as you say, Man United very very lucky to pick up all three points in that one. They left it late via Marcus Rashford, but I mean, watching the game, I, I obviously, I mean, we both obviously had a bit of a keen eye on this one to just assess Bruno Fernandes, and there were so many chances that Bruno missed. Um, he had one where Greenwood whipped in a fantastic cross from the right hand side and. Fernandez was just unmarked coming around at the back post and he just any other side of the goalkeeper and that would have been straight in but he kicked it into the ground and luckily Patricio was there and just managed to get his legs closed and got down in time to to fend off the shot but there were a couple of occasions where Bruno Fernandez could have scored and I mean it could have been a whole different story for Man United and they could have quite easily won you know three or four nil in that one but Wolves made it very difficult for them to break down at times. I think Wolves uh, looked very good on the counter-attack as well with the pace of Adama Traore and, and Neto and, and the like. It was very good to watch them play going forward. Um, yeah, it, De Gea had actually a fairly decent game for once. I mean, he made a couple of good saves. One of the saves from Roman Saiz coming across the front post from a corner and just uh, turning the ball on target and, and it came at the hair granted it came straight at him but it did come at him with quite some speed behind it so man united i mean defensively i'm still not convinced by man united defense i think their offensive assets are, are where it's at and as i say bruno fernandez he didn't pick up a goal but he picked up the assist for the rashford goal even though it looked like rashford was gonna just go down as having the goal on himself but it was of course the bruno fernandez long ball up the field that Rashford then managed to put home. And then, look, we'll get on to it. The final game, you mentioned it a bit earlier, the final game of the game week after the, the Fulham and Spurs postponement was, of course, the Newcastle versus Liverpool game. And, yeah, you talked about it earlier, but Carl Darlow was just a man on a mission, wasn't he? He usually is. He's, he's been very good a couple of times this season or... or... Well, the one that stands out to me is when he played United a couple of weeks back and he, they lost 4-1, but he didn't concede until he sort of broke his arm. Oh, he didn't break his arm, but his, he was like walking around with his arm just, or maybe it was his leg. He was injured as heck. He was just limping around. like He looked like he had half a body and he was still going. Um, absolute machine, Carl Darlow. And I think he's the Martinez of, of Newcastle where Dubravka is a better goalkeeper than, than Darlow, but that's because Dubravka is one of the best goalkeepers in the league, I think. And... In a similar situation, what's going to happen is Dubravka will come back from injury, aka Leno, and 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 Martinez, aka Darlow, will will have to. He's demonstrated that he's a quality keeper capable of starting any game in the league for for most teams, and he'll probably get sold and go somewhere and be quite a good cheap budget option, I think, next season. So absolutely fantastic goalkeeper, uh, someone to keep an eye on. Someone to just keep an eye on about where he goes. Um, he's quite old. I think he's 30 now. 
but he'll go somewhere and he'll definitely play a season or two and he could be could be good value in the future not now <laughs> not even this year but 2022 year of darlow calling it now actually do you know what? i'm just calling it now 2022 darlow's year fair enough mate fair enough i mean i think again it's Liverpool didn't look great. Well, I say that. Liverpool looked like they could have scored, you know, again, three or four goals against the Newcastle side. And Newcastle made it very difficult for them to break down in what was a very similar way to the way that West Brom played against Liverpool. And I don't know, I don't know what your thoughts are, but do you think now teams are, teams know how to set up against Liverpool and, and, know how to make it frustrating for Liverpool. Do you think that something needs to change uh, with the way that Klopp is setting up his team tactically to perhaps give a bit of misdirection to the opposing team? Certainly, you know, having two draws on the bounce, not being able to break down the Newcastle side and, and picking up a 1-1 draw against West Brom and these on paper were two games that you'd expect them to be winning quite comfortably. Do you think that that's something has to change about Klopp's style of play or, or do you think that it just needs a bit more a bit more impetus at the top end of the pitch? I, I think I think they're just a bit tired and I think there are I think it's something that's a bit cyclical where the good teams they get found out. Um when basically it's always been the same. It's just hard to beat a team that are defending ten men behind the ball, isn't it? And, and that's what they've struggled with. It's not a special tactic to beat Liverpool. It's just what happens when you're Man City or Liverpool and you go uh, you, you go to these sort of really small-minded clubs. If you go to Leeds, Leeds try and score against you and lose 6-1. If you go to Newcastle, they try and defend forever. And if you're good enough on the day, you beat them soundly and it's no problem. You, you beat them 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, whatever. And, and they don't even pose a problem. But if you're not on it on that day, if, if if it's just a bad day for you, then you just won't score. And if you're tired, you just won't score. If you, and, and lots of those sort of reasons. So I think on average, no, they're probably fine. Uh, I think it's just one of those days, one of those things where if you don't have the right players, if you don't have, if you don't have the players the right sort of day, if you don't have the, if the talent doesn't show up on the day, then you're going to struggle. But Man City showed it literally last week when they went to Newcastle and they won 2-0 or they, Newcastle went to them and they won 2-0 and it never even looked like a difficult sort of issue for them and it, it's sort of the same with Liverpool I think they'll make teams look look easy to roll over most of the time and when they don't it isn't a cause of concern they haven't been found out it's just that on the day Salah didn't do what he usually does or, or Thiago didn't get to play 90 minutes because he was injured two months ago or, or something like that where it was just a, a bit of a blip rather than a concern. Yeah, I, I think we need to get used to the fact that Liverpool may not be able to roll over teams 4-5-0 week in, week out. I think that that's just a matter of fact. And I think Liverpool certainly, sooner rather than later, they'll be back to, to the old winning ways. And as you say, with the likes of Thiago coming back into the fold, I think he does add a extra dimension to that midfield as well certainly in terms of creating chances for the front three um we'll move on now briefly and just talk about some of the uh game week 17 fixtures coming up and everton versus west ham is the first game on friday man united versus villa is the evening game on saturday we've got spurs versus leeds which i know that you are very much looking forward to we've got palace versus sheffield united brighton versus wolves and west brom versus arsenal then on sunday Burnley versus Fulham, Newcastle versus Leicester, and Chelsea versus Manchester City. Again, Burnley in the Fulham game could be called off, and so could the Chelsea versus Man City game, although Man City have confirmed that their players are now back in, uh, I would like to say, small groups of uh, training. So that game may still go ahead. And then on Monday, the final game of game week 17, before we do have a before we go back to normal with, with the uh, weekly breaks in between games is Southampton versus Liverpool. Now, first off, mate, the big question is, are you looking to make any transfers between now and the Game Week 17 deadline, which is on New Year's Day at four o'clock? Yeah, looking at a couple of things, uh, thinking about, well, actually, no, the, the transfer, I'm not I'm not doing Son to Rashford. That will happen in a couple of weeks, potentially. The ones I'm looking at now are Mount to Harvey Barnes, and Cancelo to Chilwell slash someone who plays, depending on if the game gets cancelled. 
So I might make them. I might I might do Mount to Harvey Barnes, but it's it's likely I don't, and it's likely I sort of just hold tight. What what are your moves? What are you doing, Jack? What are you doing? What's going on in that brain of yours? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm I'm waiting, and I'm going to be scouring the internet and, and just waiting for any any news to come out about any potential games being cancelled because again you know it, it will end up being into you'll you fall into the trap of oh my god I, I want to make this transfer now because i don't want to miss out on you know the 0.1 price rise whatever it may be and then you'll set yourself up where you could potentially shoot yourself in the foot like for example you did with chillwell to cancello and and now potentially looking at moving back from cancello to chillwell if the game does go ahead it's you don't want to be doing transfers like that. I guess it's it's okay to do transfers like that if if you do then benefit from uh, making those changes. But um, it's it's one of those where I just want to wait and, and until I've got as much information that is possibly available to me. I think Grealish will probably stay in the side. That's for sure. Um, again, DCL is a player that I'm looking to perhaps take out of the team at some point. Um, one of the moves that I am looking at is to potentially upgrade the likes of Rian Brewster to either Che Adams or, or someone else who we haven't really spoke about and has just come back, or we're hoping he's just come back from injury. Mikael Antonio came on for the last 15 minutes or so in the game against Southampton. So maybe I'll give him a game or so to get some, just, just to get some more Premier League minutes under his belt. We know that he's got issues with injuries but when he is playing at the top of that West Ham attack we know how lethal he can be in front of goal um, and again it may even end up be being a, a change from Jimmy Dunn who is on the bench again trying to set up for as many double game week players as possible and, and Jimmy Dunn although he plays for Burnley who do have a double game week don't he doesn't actually get onto the pitch anymore so He's in there as just that pure money-saving asset at the moment, and it might be time to perhaps upgrade him just for a few more players to have on the double game week, really. So it'll be an interesting one. I don't, like I say, I probably won't make any changes, but we'll see how it goes. Um, again, one that I am looking at is Grealish to Rashford, but I don't know. I've got, I've got a feeling that Grealish can do something against that Man United defence. I really do, and I think that Villa are one of the one of the informed teams in the Premier League at the moment. So. Yeah, Grealish should probably stay in for that Man United game. I like it. Sensible, sensible approach. Wait and see what happens. Wait and see what the news is, and then maybe make a shift if you need to. Which is what I'll do as well. If Cancelo comes out as COVID positive, he's gone. Sorry, uh, I'll keep chasing those points with the defenders, wasting my transfers. Yeah, I think that that's a uh, a very good point to end it here. We did go slightly over our usual hour or so of recording, but. Festive fixtures, a lot of stuff to uh, to cover, and uh, again, the, the the fixtures will start to get back to normal soon. Although we do have the likes of the blank and the double game weeks just around the corner, so I think that's a perfect way to end that, mate. Um, yeah, this will probably be uploaded as the first episode of the new year. So happy new year, everyone! Happy new year, everyone!